Even so, there was much more afoot. Of that, Washington was certain. Now that one plan had been foiled, another would soon be hatched, probably with more speed, this time to minimize the risk of leaks. Some delicacy must be sacrificed for the sake of urgency, but could he make his most trusted, most valued, and most secretive ring understand that? He poured over the maps as he would have before a battle. Perhaps there was a way to convey messages across the Hudson River or via Staten Island. He wrote as much to Talmadge, urging him to talk to Culper Sr. about such an option, hoping to impress upon the ring the importance of timely reports. The Culpers, meanwhile, were enjoying something of a reprieve from their oppressive worries that had plagued them of late. Colonel Simcoe had left his reluctant hosts, the Townsends, and led the Queen's Rangers back to the mainland in an effort to capture George Washington. They had failed, and Simcoe was now being held prisoner by the Americans. Woodhull, no doubt voicing the sentiments of numerous people, concluded his letter to Talmadge on December 12, 1779. Were I now in the state of New Jersey without fear of law or gospel, I would certainly kill Colonel Simcoe for his usage to me. In the same message, he encoded a blank sheet containing a stained letter from Townsend, with whom he wrote he planned to celebrate Christmas. Holiday leisure was a luxury the commander-in-chief could ill afford, as the fate of the entire revolution rested upon his shoulders. Even as Woodhull wrote that his fears are much abated, Washington felt a growing sense of urgency to see the cracks in New York's armor pursued even more aggressively. Matters in the southern colonies showed signs of deteriorating come spring, which meant that his attention and resources would even be more divided and strained. If the British were plotting any offensive maneuvers from the city, he wanted to be prepared. Washington must have communicated his urgency to the ring because Amos Underhill visited Townsend's shop with increasing frequency and starting in mid-January 1780, appeared in his ledger four times in just over three weeks. But the smuggled messages were not meeting the pressing demands Washington was facing. Events were accelerating rapidly, and the laborious means of conveying the letters out of occupied New York and Long Island into Connecticut and overland to Washington's camp was too slow. Instead of providing new information, the culprit's intelligence was now providing verification of facts the general had already learned. His accounts are intelligent, clear, and satisfactory, consequently would be valuable, but owing to the circuitous route through which they are transmitted, I derive no immediate or important advantage from them, Washington wrote Talmadge on February 5th, and, as I rely upon his intelligence, the only satisfaction I derive from it is that other accounts are being confirmed or corrected by his, after they have been some time received." He was not unsympathetic to the tremendous challenges his ring faced. Most specifically, the risk Culper Jr., who lived and worked in the heart of British operations, endured every day. I am sensible of the delicacy of this situation, and the necessity of caution, Washington added to his letter, as if realizing the harsh tone of his criticism in the preceding lines directed to his favorite spy. He wants to suggest that he may be able to provide Culper Jr. with more direct possibilities from moving the letters out of New York though he acknowledged the risks involved in expanding the ring beyond its current members. I have hitherto forborne, and am yet unwilling to mention persons to him as the vehicles of conveyance, lest they should not prove so trustworthy and prudent as we could wish. A few weeks later, Woodhull found himself riding back to Washington, informing the general of detailed ship movements, as well as warning him of even more potential risk from greatly increased scrutiny and enemy presence in Setauket. Two regiments is to be stationed in this town. If it should take place, 
It will, I fear, entirely ruin our correspondence, to prevent which I shall give you early intelligence of their motions from time to time, that you may be prepared to give them a fatal blow at the beginning, or we shall be totally ruined. The reprieve Woodhull's emotions had enjoyed in December had proved all too brief. It was March now, which meant increased activity could be anticipated with the spring thaw. But the winter of 1779-80, to known as the Hard Winter, proved to be one of the coldest recorded seasons of the 18th century in North America, and refused to let up. The weather took a turn for the worse, with tumultuous spring storms thwarting several efforts to convey letters to Washington, explaining that the culprits had taken seriously his concerns regarding the speed of their reports. Under increased pressure to perform, Woodhull once again let his nerves get the best of him as he attempted to count and recount the blank sheets of paper that had come to him as part of his last batch of...